0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. I'm going to get into a series today called 99 plus 1. And uh, we're just going to be two weeks this week and next week. And uh, this is a great time to start bringing your friends to church, uh, family members of church who don't know God, or maybe they're far from God, or haven't been to church before, but uh, that's why we exist, and so we encourage you to bring people. Uh, But today we're just going to be talking about the idea that Jesus came to earth because he really loves you, he loves people. And today we're going to talk about just a, a scripture that is one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. Uh, uh, for those of you who have never read it before, that's okay. Most people who go to church may have never read it either. So, but it is a very, very famous scripture, very common scripture we're going to read today. And we're going to read verse uh, Luke 15, 1-7. And uh, we're just going to walk through it today. And I want to point out some really important things in this scripture. What we're going to find is, is that we're going to learn a lot about God today, a lot about Jesus today, and we're going to learn a lot about you today and me. We'll learn a lot about uh, this story kind of isn't talking only about a specific person necessarily, though it may speak specifically to you as I share. This is really about all people. We're going to learn about us. We're going to learn about God. And as we learn that Jesus really loves people, Jesus has a heart to reach all people, not just some of you. Not just the good ones, not just the good-looking ones, not just the athletic ones, not just the rich ones, not just the ones who go to church, not just the ones who give, especially not the ones who give 12%, hello. Not just those ones, but God wants to reach all people. He loves all people. And so we're gonna read the scripture together in Luke chapter 15. We're gonna start in verse one to two and uh, verse uh, uh, right here on the screen, it would be right up behind me here, Luke 15, 1 to 2, and it says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach, and this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, he was even Eating with them. Okay, so we have three characters as we start our story. We've got Jesus and the disciples. We've got uh, the Pharisees call them sinners and tax collectors. And then we have uh, these religious teachers and Pharisees. So, Jesus and the disciples, as you might know, Jesus is obviously, uh, we believe, the Savior of the world. We believe He's God. And here He is walking on earth teaching these people about the kingdom of God, and these disciples were those who said, I want to follow after him. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and so these were ones who were really committed to following after God, and then we have these individuals called uh, sinners and tax collectors. Sinners, uh, according to the Pharisees, were those who did not follow the Jewish Mosaic law, so they looked at anyone, a Jew, Gentile, anyone who was not a, uh, 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 in the religion that they were in, and they looked at them and thought, they don't follow the law of Moses, therefore my desire is for their destruction. So Pharisees did not want people to convert to their religion, Pharisees were hoping that people who were sinners and tax collectors would be destroyed, that they deserve destruction, that they're so sinful, and they're so disgusting, and they're so gross, and they're so outside of the realm of God, that they deserve to be destroyed. That's how Pharisees thought, and so they couldn't even understand, when you associate and eat with one of these people, that means you're accepting them and you're actually allowing them into your life, that means that you could probably be somebody who is going to be destroyed and go to hell as well. <laughs> and so now we have the, uh, the uh, Pharisees, as they call them, and tax collectors. I'm sorry, let me go back for a moment. I don't think I've told you that. Sinners were people who they believe were not in the Mosaic Law, but tax collectors were those who were like the tax men, IRS. And what these men did, and I gotta admit, it was a little bit shady. You know, they were uh, Jewish men uh, and some women who would take uh, basically money for the Romans. And so they would collect taxes uh, for the Romans. And what they would do is, is they would take a little bit more. So if the if Rome said take 10%, they would take 13%. It'd skim a little bit off the top. And so here's these Jews who were like turncoats. They've turned against their fellow man, are collecting money for the Roman Empire, and now living this lavish lifestyle within a community that is generally a middle or lower class. They were one of the only high-class people. And so all of these people despise these tax collectors as terrible, terrible terrible people. I mean, just imagine the worst person in your mind. This is how they felt about tax collectors. They were the scum of the city. They were the worst of the worst. No one liked them at all. And the Pharisees looked at these people, sinners and tax collectors, and was upset that Jesus and his disciples were spending time with such despicable, terrible people. The Pharisees were those who were religious teachers, and they followed the Mosaic law to the T, and they believed that they were the ones called by God to go to heaven, and anyone who did not do what they did, and the way they did it, would spend, and would go to hell, and be destroyed, and they hoped it would happen. So here we are in this story. Jesus is hanging out with his guys, or having a I just don't know why, but I thought of a big, you know, those old big Subway sandwiches that are really long? I don't know why I thought of that, but they're having this big Subway sandwich. That was a, I don't know. That's church food, I guess. They're having a big Subway sandwich, and they're hanging out, and the Pharisees walk in and say, I cannot believe that Jesus and these disciples are spending time with these people. And so Jesus turns to his disciples, and he he goes into story mode. He says, okay, let's tell a story. And he says this. So Jesus told him a story. If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God, and over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. So here we have Jesus saying, okay, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost. So here we're quickly, very quickly identifying the characters in the story that there is 100 sheep and there is a shepherd. And these 100 sheep, all of them belong to the shepherd. Not just the 99, not just the 1, but all 100 of them in totality all belong to the shepherd. So in this verse, we learn that John 10, 11, Jesus says, I, Jesus, am the good shepherd. And in Psalms 103, we learn that know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people. Look at this. We are the sheep of his pasture. So this story is talking about how he says, okay, let's just say there's 100 sheep. That's all the people in the world. All the people on the planet, all of them belong to the shepherd. So every person on the planet, no matter where they're at, no matter they're lost or they're found, no matter whether they're rich or they're poor, whether they're good or they're bad, whether they're despicable or they're wonderful, all of them belong to the Lord. Every single one of them belong to God. This is the, the Jesus makes a clear point of ownership. He wants them to know that even those who you think don't deserve me are mine. Look what it says in Colossians verse 16 For in him all things are created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and all things have been created for him. So if you're here today, you say, Ryan, I, like 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 who do I belong to? Do I belong to my job? Do I belong to my wife? Do I belong to my addiction? Do I belong to you belong to God? God made you, God created you, He has a purpose for you. No matter where you're at in your journey with Him, whether you're far from Him, whether you're a Pharisee, whether you're a disciple, whether you're a a, a sinner or, or a tax collector, you belong to God and God has a plan for your life. That's what Jesus is trying to tell these Pharisees. Guess what? Everyone is mine, they all belong to me. I created all of them. I have a purpose for all of them. I have a desire for every single person on this planet that they would be in relationship with me. He wanted them to know about ownership. And then he says this, what if one of them gets lost? The sheep gets lost. So they would count the sheep at night Right before everybody was going to go to bed, the sheep would make, a, or the shepherds would make a fire and they would prepare kind of their dinner. They were going to have hot dogs and s'mores and hot cocoa and they got it ready. And then they went over here, and they, okay, we've got to count the sheep. So there's counting the sheep and 95, okay. There's Altoid and 96, okay. There's sugar, okay, 97. Okay, there's fluffy, okay, 98. There's cream puff and number, number 99, there's twinkles, okay, number 100. Okay, okay, where, where's, where's Ding Dong? <laughs> where's Ding Dong at? Where, where, where's the last guy? Where's he at? Hey, has anyone seen the, the hundred sheep? No, I haven't seen them. No one's seen him? No one's seen him. You don't know where he's at? I don't know where he's at. Now, nighttime was when all the predators, nighttime was when all the problems, when they couldn't see clearly, when there was confusion, it was the worst time for a sheep to get lost. So instead of this shepherd being able to have cocoa and s'mores and hang out next to the fire, he went and grabbed his his stick and he grabbed his staff and he grabbed his sandals and he just ran into the wilderness as quickly as he could to go after this lost sheep. Have you ever lost anything before? How many of you are like me when you get into the car and you got the car running in the, in the winter? I'm sorry, guys, it's coming, it's impending. You get in the car, the car's been running, it's super bright outside, the snow's on the ground, the sun's in the air. You think, oh my gosh, I need my sunglasses. I'm gonna be late for my appointment. And you think, okay, i reach down where you normally put them and they're not there. And then what do you do? You search around the car, you open the glove box, you look in the side unit, you look in the back, you look all over, look underneath all the Legos that are piled this high and the the fast food garbage that you want nobody to see. And you're like, okay, where is these glasses? You realize they're not here, so you run inside. You go to next to your bed table, they're not there. You go to your desk, they're not there. uh, Maybe I'll look in the fridge, they're not in there. And then you start to think, okay, I know who took it. My son took it, he did something with it. You start to think, okay, he's, he's in there. You put it on his little characters. My daughter probably put it on their doll. And then you do the worst thing possible. You walk upstairs, you look your wife in the eyes, and you say, You took my glasses. (laughs) You moved them, didn't you? You're always cleaning around the house. I put something here. I wanted to stay there. It got moved. I know you moved it. Where would you put it? I didn't touch your glasses. Yes, you did. Okay, we're starting a heated moment. I can I probably win this battle because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm going to l- relent this one because I need to find these stinking glasses. Okay, I finally freak out. I'm like so upset. My day's turning terrible. I get in the car. I just think, whatever, and I adjust the roof of my ear, and oh my gosh, they've been on the top of my head the whole time. <laughs> Or you go out and you lost your keys and you realize your keys are the ignition or they're hanging on the side of the car. Last week, we uh, tear down every week and I was taking about five or six bags of garbage out to the dumpster. And I had my helmet in my hand, my motorcycle helmet because I ride a, a motorcycle and I walked out to the dumpster and I open up the dumpster and I throw all the garbage in and I'm walking back to my motorcycle and I'm like, oh, just you know, kind of tired for the day and I walk and I realize, oh my gosh, I think I just threw my motorcycle helmet in the garbage can. So I run back over there and I I'm like standing and the place is packed. There's all these people and I'm kinda you know, I'm I'm you know I'm you know I'm not wearing jumping garbage clothes, you know, I'm kinda standing outside and I'm just kinda standing there looking at all these people zooming by and waving and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, this is embarrassing. I flip open the thing and I just jump right into the garbage can. <laughs> And I've got to poking my head up, people are like, isn't that the pastor? Oh, he needs a raise. Look at this guy. <laughs> this guy's got problems. And I'm in there, I'm going through the garbage, I'm just go- you know, there's food in there, bananas, and some of you guys have at- half-eaten muffins and stuff like that, and coffee thing, I'm just kidding, there's no muffins. And uh, we're hanging out, we're moving stuff around, and, and uh, finally I poked my head out, and all these people are driving by, and I'm waving at them, and my head's out of the dumpster, and I felt really embarrassed, and finally I realized my helmet wasn't there. So I hop out, also embarrassing, hopping out of a dumpster. I finish the banana I was eating and I throw it back in. <laughs> I walk over to the motorcycle and I get on my motorcycle and I sit there and I think, where's my helmet? And I look down, it's hanging from the side of the, the motorcycle. And I thought, dang it, like, I hate when this happens. See, so we always lose things all the time. And we always think that this is a common thing that happens in our lives. But I want you to know something about you and I. You and I often tend to prone to getting lost the bible says very clearly in in first peter for you were going astray like sheep but now you have turned back to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls look at this isaiah 53 6 we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way so whether you're here today and you're a follower of God or not, maybe you're far from church, maybe you've been going to church your whole life. I want you to know today that you you might not realize this, but every single person in this room, uh, every single individual that has their that is in this room today has wandered or is wandering or has been lost at some point in their life. You might be in a time in your life where God's found you and you've experienced His love and you've been in a relationship with Him and that's awesome. But even then, you can tend to wander because we're like sheep. We just tend to get distracted by t- uh, twinkly things and we get distracted while we're moving with the group all of a sudden you see something in the air and maybe it's a, a new job opportunity and you think it's a good thing and you start pursuing it and you don't even realize that after a while the group's moved on like the, the, the relationship with God has moved on and you're now so focused on this business and this building this environment and having that relationship or having that addiction or having that habit and you don't even realize it's like you set out to plan I'm gonna go out and do this and we just get distracted we do a uh, relationship often distracts us when we're serving the Lord and we get into a relationship and we kind of don't realize it because we want to be in community or relationship with this person, but we want to have a relationship with God. And so after a while, we stray and we find ourselves investing into this relationship and we're far from God and we think, what happened? How did that even happen? It happens to us all the time because you're like sheep. I'm like a sheep. It happens. Some of us get lost on purpose. Some of us don't like how life is going or don't like what's happening or maybe are a little upset with God about the situation of life and so we get lost on purpose. We sneak away from the group on purpose. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe you like sleeping around. Maybe whatever it might be, you might have these little things in your life that you use to escape and to get away. I want to get lost. I want to get away from God because I don't like the place of life that I'm at. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I don't even know that I'm lost. I think mean, I'm fine. I'm living my life, man. I'm good. What are you talking about? That's not me. You might be here today, and you're lost, and you don't even know it. See, that's what the sheep happens with sheep is they often get lost, and they don't even realize it. It's like this guy here. <laughs> he was uh, just going for a little uh, ride on his boat and little did he know that there's a huge shark below him and some of us are wandering in life and don't even realize that there's impending danger waiting for us the word lost here it means the idea of wandering or confusion or oblivion it's when you feel hopeless when you feel confused you feel like you have no direction, or you're feeling some regret in your life, you're feeling pain or anger or frustration, or maybe pride, because you actually don't want to admit that you're lost. Maybe it's isolation or feeling alone or feeling disconnected. Jesus brings us to this point and says, Listen, if one of your lost sheep goes away, like and it's lost, wouldn't you go after it? Look what he says in this verse. He says, one of you, one of you gets lost, what will you do? There's a woman uh, named Rowena. She had a 20-month, 22-month-old Labrador, and it was missing. And for nine months, she searched for this dog. For nine months, she searched for this little dog right here. She crawled through sewer pri- pipes. She climbed up deer stands, walked across fields marked as gun targets. She searched from an airplane and hired professional trackers in desperate attempts to find the canine. She involved the Coast Guard, police, school bus drivers, mail carriers, veterinarians, railroad workers. She initiated major search parties, a mass phone call campaign. She put flurries of flyers in an attempt to find her dog. She offered a $10,000 reward for the person that finds a dog. She sold her family air room. She sold her car. And she said, there's nothing that I will not do to find my lost dog. The bright side is that while they were searching for this one lost dog, they found eight others along the way. What would you do if you had lost your sheep or you had lost your dog? What would you do? And Jesus is asking this question, hey, what would you do? What would you do in your life if you lost something? And Jesus wants to look at you today and say, listen, I want you to know what a good shepherd does is a good shepherd leaves the 99 and he chases after the one. That's what the good shepherd does. He goes after it and he searches and he searches and he searches and he searches until he finds you. He recognizes that you're no longer in the group and he recognizes that there's a little bit of disconnection and he recognizes that the thing you're dealing with is causing friction or that relationships causing a a severance or that preoccupation is causing a distance between you and him. And he says, listen, I know you're struggling in your life, but I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get through to your life. Because the mission, my mission on this planet is to seek and to save the lost. Not just those who are far from God, but those in the room today who know God but are far in relationship with him. He will do anything. He will do anything. And in fact, that was the purpose of him coming to earth in the first place. The purpose of him coming to earth in the first place wasn't to build a big kingdom. It wasn't just to help the, those who are, are well and those who are already serving God. He went out to find the person that needed him so badly. He says the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, Jesus' focus is on the one, the one person that needs his redemption, the one person that needs his love. The one person that needs his forgiveness all throughout Scripture. I'll show you. All throughout Scripture, Jesus' focus was on the one. He's in a crowd of people and he's thinking, he's looking for the one in the room that's lost. In John chapter 5, look what it said in Jerusalem. There's a pool with five porches called Bethesda near the sheep gate. Inside these porches, I lay many sick people. Some were blind, some could not walk, some could not move their bodies. And one who was there had been invalid for 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? He's surrounded by maybe hundreds of sick people at this moment, walked into a room where there's groaning and moaning. Imagine an emergency room. Jesus standing in the middle of an emergency room looking around for the lost soul, looking around for the lost person and it says he saw him, he him. recognized him. His eye was on him. God's eye was on this man and said, this person here needs me to come and redeem him and change him and transform him. Look at the scripture in John Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was large crowds of people and when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come down quick I must be a guest in your house today. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He walked through a crowd of people. He looked up and saw Zacchaeus. With his eyes, he saw him. How about this scripture in John chapter 1, verse 47? He saw Nathanael coming toward him and saw him. Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Not just for a moment. Nathanael's under a fig tree in some other location. And here, Jesus is identifying that even when I don't see you physically, I see you in my heart. I can see you. I can sense you, I can feel you, you're lost, you're you're distant, you're far away, you've got a severance in your relationship, you feel distant, maybe you've never been to church, maybe you don't know who God is, maybe you've been on a spiritual journey, maybe you've been hurt by God, maybe you've been hurt by the church, maybe you're in a season where you feel disconnected from God. God sees it, he senses it, he identifies it, he knows it, he hears it, he feels it, he's here right now saying, I know the person in this room right now who needs my love and my redemption. He sees you. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Psalm seventeen, eight. Look at this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. That phrase there actually refers to the black pupils of your eyeball. How is it possible for me to be the very focus of God's attention When there's so many people on this planet, billions of people, how can he have me in his heart, have me in his eye and not everybody else? God has the capacity to be omnipresent. So he can be present with Alyssa and present with Catherine at the same exact moment where you feel like you are the only person on the planet. You feel like I'm the only one here. He can be present with every single person in this room. And the prayer was, God, keep me the center of your attention. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Keep me in the black of your pupils. You have to understand something. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time and you're a veteran follower of God, or maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Or maybe you're here today and say, Ryan, I'm trying to be a disciple. You have to know that you are never outside the realm of needing God to come and save you once again. He sees you. He wants you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. No matter where you're at in your life, you can't get away. It says he, he, he goes out and finds these people. He found the sheep. He actually found the sheep. You see, I want you to know today that He actually wants to break through in your life, and He can break through in your life, and He will break through in your life. And you might think, man, I got too much sin, or I got too much distance, or I got too much. Distance. And God's here to say to you, listen, I've been searching for you for years. Let me find you. Let me find you. It says in the verse, I'm coming to a land of the plane here this morning. And when he has found it. Look at that real quick. And when he has found it. Some of you here today have been praying for people who are far from God for a long time and I want you to know they're going to be found. (laughs) Some of you have been here today and you've been praying for yourself for a long time. Gosh, I want to be found but I feel disconnected. You're going to be found. When he found it. He's going to find it. He always does. And look what it says. He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When I read this, I thought, about, I thought about how many of us have this perspective about God. That when we stray from God, when we fall away from God, maybe it's an area of sin in your life. Maybe you've been struggling in some sin that's caused you distance from God. And your thought is, if I'm found by God, he's going to judge me. If I'm found by God, He's gonna, He, you know, the, the picture would be that the shepherd finds a stinking sheep and just smacks him upside the butt. Get back over here, you stupid sheep! What are you doing over here? Get back to the fold. I gotta drink my hot cocoa. We often feel like in the area of our sin or the area of our distance that God is pursuing us as a wrathful, angry God ready to pour out his wrath on us. In fact, I've heard this from many people who come into the presence of God and they choose not to engage because they feel like when they're in the presence of God, they said, Ryan, I feel bad. I feel guilty. I feel shame. So I just choose not to engage because I know if I engage, I'm going to feel God's presence. I know if I engage, I'm going to begin to cry or there'll be a tear in my eye or I'm going to begin to feel the emotion in my heart and I feel badly. I want you to know that in order for you to be forgiven, you have to accept that you need to be forgiven. In order to be loved, you have to accept the fact that you need to be loved. And when you walk into the presence of God, you might be thinking that when you feel those emotions because of maybe areas in your life where you're struggling or your distance distanced from God, you start to feel a little bit badly. I want you to know that isn't God shaming you, condemning you, or guilting you. That is the Father coming to you and loving you. That shame and guilt you feel is not of God. It's actually from our enemy. He wants to make you feel like you're not good enough. The enemy's working really hard to get you far from God's presence. But when you come into the presence of God, listen, the father wants to come. A loving father wants to come. The shepherd wants to come and he wants to pick you up and he wants to put you on his shoulders. What's really beautiful about this poetry, it's almost poetic the way he says it. What's beautiful about this is that the mission of Jesus was to come and take your sin on his shoulders. Look at the scripture, John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd. The good, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Look at this in Isaiah 53. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him on him. Another translation. Read it again. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yes, the Lord laid on him. Who's him? Jesus. The Lord laid on Jesus the sins of us all. So when we read that, that portion of that scripture where we learn that that the shepherd's going to find the lost people, to find you where you're at. He picks you up and he puts you on your shoulder. The picture of that is that he takes all of the iniquity, all of the sin, all of the confusion, all of the shame, all of the condemnation, all of the guilt, all of the hardship, all of the things you are feeling, experiencing, and dealing with in your life, and he lays it on his shoulders, over his his ruined, uh, brutal, brutalized back, he places you on that shepherd's back and says, "I'm going to take this sin on my back for you." That was the mission of Jesus. The problem with many of us, me in the right of the first of the line, is that many times when Jesus comes to me and he wants to find me, I say, "Jesus, I don't deserve to be carried on your back." Jesus I The go deal with somebody else. I'm just gonna stay here because I've always been here. I just keep coming back. I keep wandering. I keep falling away. Every time Jesus comes to put me on his back, I say, Jesus, you know what? Actually, this time, I don't actually feel like I need it. I don't need you to put me on your back. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I'm happy where I'm at. I don't wanna change. I don't wanna see transformation in my life. I am good in the hood. Leave me alone. See, when Jesus comes to find you, all he wants to do is he wants to pick you up wants well, to put you on his torn up back and say, son and daughter, I've forgiven you. I have redeemed you. I took your iniquity and your sin and your shame and your guilt. This is why we're here today. That no matter what you've done, or no matter what your history has said, you think he doesn't want to come find me. He's searching for you right now. Do you remember back in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3? For those of you who've read the Bible, you may. For those of you who don't, let me refresh your memory. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, do you remember what they did? They ran and hid. And do you remember what God did when he came and walking in the cool of the day? He cried out, Adam and Eve, where are you? He's been searching for you from that moment in history. He knows our tendency and our proneness is astray. He knows that we are lost. He knows that we are broken. He knows that we need his presence. He knows that. You think God isn't aware of everything going on in your life? He's fully aware. And yet he's still saying, where are you? I'm looking for you, son and daughter. I just want to put you on my back and take your sin on my shoulders. I just want to help you live the life that I created you to live, no longer living in condemnation, no longer living in shame and guilt and anxiety and fear and doubt and sickness and all those things. That's not how I intended my daughter and my son to live. Let me pick you up and put you on my shoulders. Let me do that for you. And guess what? It's free. It's a gift. <laughs> he just gives it to you just because he loves you. There's nothing behind it. There's no string to attach. There's no money back guaranteed. It's just what it is. I love you the way you are, who you are, how you are. Now, you've got to let him pick you up. See, this sheep was picked up. And this is the best part. This entire message today. Verse 6 When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Uh, A pastor named Pastor Greg Surratt a well-known pastor in the States, him and I have developed a relationship recently, and he sent me this text message the other day. And he said, I don't know if you're a baseball player, I'm not, but um, look what it says. This caption says, I collect images of walk-off home run hitters rounding third because they are an image of heaven. (laughs) Look at this picture. Look at this guy on on the right here with his hands out, like, come on, buddy, you got it. You finally let him pick you up. Praise God. Like, you finally let him in. Yes. You finally let his redemption cover your life. Come on. Come on, run. Keep going, buddy. Keep going. Go to third. Go to home. Go, go. Yeah. That is what heaven does every single time. You let God come and find you. You let down your pride. You let down your inhibitions. You let down your fear and say, I'm not going to worry about my past any longer. I'm just going to finally let go and let God love me the way he wants to love me. All of heaven rejoices. Angels are clapping and cheering. Just like this. I end today I want to share a story and we're gonna go I wanna share a thought with you today. There was a, a family who um, liked a vacation in Christmas time. They had a annual trek down to Chicago. There's a huge mall down there. And so what they would do as a family, they would go down there with all their family and they would kind of just enjoy the holidays and they would enjoy the mall and they would shop and they would do all these things. So all the family was there. I mean, it's like the Navy family. It's just a clan, you know. It's like a whole city. They're all hanging out together. And they're there, and they're, there. you know, they got the, 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 the Santa ho-hoing, and you got the bells ringing, and you got the cinnamon smell in the air, and the you know, pumpkin spice lattes, or just, or whatever, and the eggnog lattes, and you're just smelling Starbucks going at it. And you just are in this atmosphere. Ooh, magic and emotion, and oh, I love it here. It's just nice. You're hanging out with your family. You're doing your shopping. I had a meet-up time. At lunchtime at noon we all met up at that place and we're all saying hi and what would you do and mom is looking around the room to all of her crew looking around to every person she says where's Matthew and says they keep talking Matthew our three-and-a-half year old where's Matthew they're like looking around and dad's looking and grandma and grandpa are looking and aunt and uncle are looking around cousins are all looking around at one another where's Matthew have you seen Matthew? Have you seen Matthew? Where's Matthew? Tell me where's Matthew. But they say, we don't know where Matthew is. Where's Matthew? They realized at that moment that their three and a half year old son had wandered off and gone missing in this massive, major, huge mall. As you know, they went frantic. They went crazy. They started going nuts. They started running around. And at first, they were freaking out. Oh, Matthew! Matthew, has anyone seen Matthew? Hey, have you seen my son? He's brown hair. He's about this tall. And I mean, he's got a really cute laugh. And he's wearing a striped shirt. Have you seen Matthew? Have you seen Matthew? Matthew, Matthew, it's okay. Grandpa comes around and says, okay, guys, listen, let's organize it. You go to the bathrooms. You go to the, the, the food court. You go to the parking lot. You go to where all the stores we've been to. And everyone just scatter. And you shout his name. And you try to find Matthew. And so they're running around. People are screaming. Because they knew that what happened was kids were being kidnapped and taken into the bathroom and they change their clothes and dye their hair and put new uh, clothes on them and put a hoodie on them and a hat and take them in a stroller and walk out of the mall with their child. So they're walking to every stroller they could. I'm sorry, is this Matthew? Matthew, are you there? Matthew? Frantic, screaming. People are thinking they're lunatics. Outside in the snow, yelling, Matthew! Can't find him. About two hours go by, and they come back to their organized meeting spot at a certain time to report back had they found Matthew. Go around the room and mom's kind of taking control. She's looking around. She's like, okay, honey, did you, did you find him? Aunt Sue, did you do it? Like, cousins, like, did you find him? are like, where's our son? Like, where did he go? Did someone take him? He's lost. And then she realized that grandpa wasn't there. Where's grandpa? Where's Grandpa? Where's grandpa? Where's grandpa? Where's grandpa? Look over across the wall. And there's Grandpa with tears in his eyes holding this little Matthew. He walks towards him, and as you can imagine, the family goes bananas. Yes, we found Matthew! He's not lost anymore! It's so fantastic. We found him. We searched for him and we found him. It was such excitement. It was a wonderful end to a wonderful day when when they'd finally found this young boy. Everything was back to normal. You want to know the interesting thing about this story? Is that when you looked at Matthew's face, he was not traumatized at all. Dad, where'd you find him? (laughs) He was in the candy store. His hands behind his back going like this looking at the candy Counting all the different colors. And you want to know the crazy part about this story? Is that Matthew didn't look lost. And that Matthew didn't even know he was lost. And that Matthew was oblivious to the phenomenal danger that he was in at that moment. There are people in the room right now who are just like Matthew. You don't even realize that you're lost. Maybe you're here today and you've wandered. You've chosen to wander. You said, I want to be far from God. I don't want to be near God. Listen, today, you need to know the good shepherd's pursuing you relentlessly. You might be here today and say, Ryan, like, I I feel like I'm not even realizing I'm lost here and I didn't do it on purpose, but I'm just, I'm wanting to come back today and you're lost and you say Ryan I didn't even realize that I was lost today you know there's people all across our city over 800,000 people in the city of Calgary who are not confessed born again Christians who don't even realize they're lost they're in a candy store moving their heads back and forth don't even realize that we're on a search party to find them would you stand with me this morning would you stand with me real quick and just close your eyes for a moment I'm going to ask a couple questions and then we're going to pray Come on, if you're here today, there be eye closed in this place for a moment? You say, Ryan, I am that lost sheep. I've wandered away. Maybe it's not purposeful. Maybe it is. And you're here today and you say, Ryan, I would like to come back in to the place where I was before. I'm going to come back into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. I want to recommit or commit myself to follow after God and to be a part of the family of God today. I want to experience all that God has for my life. Come on, with every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you the front. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. Would you place your hand in the air and just let me know who I'm praying for today. Say, Ryan, I'm lost and I want to be found again. Come on. Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. Come on, anybody else? You say, Ryan, I'm just lost. I'm not going to embarrass you. Say, I'm lost and I want to come back today. I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to be back on the journey with Him. Come on, Amen. Secondly, I want to pray for another group of people. Maybe you were a part of the flock. Maybe you were on that journey. And you know what? Something happened. And you made a personal decision to stray away from that flock. And you hit it in. You recognize that you're far from Him. You, you know God. You're a follower of God. You're, you've been following after Him. But today, you say, you know what, Ryan? I want to try this again. I want to come back. I want to recommit my life fully to serving God today. I want to come back and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to serve him and serve his church and be a part of what God's doing in the house of God. Come on, if that's you today, say, Ryan, I have purposely strayed or I've gone distant. And man, I want to come back into a relationship with Jesus like I did before. Come on, you're not a new believer, but you're someone who's been an old, a old believer, known God for a long time. Come on, would you just place your hand in the air? I won't embarrass you today. I just want to pray with you. And raise your hand today. anybody just say you don't write I want to make that commitment. I want to make a fresh public commitment that I'm going to serve the Lord. Come on, let's pray today with your eyes closed. I'm going to pray a prayer in church. I want you to repeat after me today. Lord Jesus, I come before you today as a broken person. I need you in my life. I confess I'm lost. I'm far from you. I feel disconnected from you. And I want to come back, God. I give my life to you again. Forgive me of every sin in my life. I want to start this new journey today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.